Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Well, let's jump right into the Word today in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to go there today. I feel as though, like never before, the Word of God is leaping off, at the, off the pages right at me, going right into my heart. I, I just feel like we can identify with so many of the scriptures at, at a new level in this day and hour in which we are privileged to be able to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind everybody that the Apostle Peter here is talking to people who had lost their homes, they lost their livelihoods, they lost their cities, they lost their families. They had paid a tremendous price merely for one reason, because they were followers of Jesus Christ. That's it. They believed in Jesus, and suddenly their whole world was turned upside down. So he writes these scriptures to the believers that have left Jerusalem because of the great persecution, and they're scattered even to remote parts of the earth. And so as we're reading that passage here, we want to get the mindset of the New Testament church. We want to get the mindset of this apostle whose name was Peter, who was born in obscurity, who had the inheritance, we're going to talk about that, of the family business. His father, who went before him, provided for him a livelihood, and he laid that down, and he became something very simple, a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. But then he went from obscurity and just his merely earthly line to into the identity of being a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ and then coming into the fullness of his apostleship. And that's what the Lord has for you and me on this journey from being just merely earthly and stepping into our heavenly destiny. So let's remember that as we read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. If you don't have your Bible today, I want to encourage you, start bringing your Bible. You know, if you're going to battle, bring your sword. And um, so let's come to the church with our Bibles with us. But if you don't have one today, there's one in the seat ahead of you. Go ahead, feel free to grab you. Grab one right there. And um, we're just going to read the word of the Lord together. And I'm going to have quite a few scriptures today because I want you to see how relevant the word of God is today because this passage is about how relevant the word of God is. So let's start in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Let's read that together. If you address as father, let me say that again. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on the earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. And through him are believers in God, for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. 
For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Let's pray the Lord's blessing. Father, I I declare the Lord's blessing upon the word of the Lord, and by the preaching and declaration of the word, our lives are transformed. Lord, Pam already welcomed the Holy Spirit here today, and I come in agreement with that Holy Spirit Anoint the word, anoint the delivery, anoint the receiving. God, that we would be changed. And I say it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hate to do this, but I remembered something. (laughs) If I don't do it. After service, we do need to break down the whole sanctuary in preparation. If you could stick around, help us break down the chairs, bring the tables in. Kelly's decorating. That would be such a blessing. All right, let's get into the word. (laughs) He starts out by saying this, that we have someone that we address as father. And how important is that to know? He right here lays out four, I've entitled this message today, Four Invincible Perspectives. There are four perspectives that you must have to become invincible during a time of trial or trouble or persecution like this church was facing. So if we're looking at the Apostle Peter, who actually gave up his life to follow Jesus, we want to know what were were his perspectives. He says, first off, this is the thing that you know. You need to know this, that God is a righteous judge. You have to know that. Everything is going to be judged. Everything that is done upon the earth, every decision that made, whether it's me or every human being on the earth, God is going to judge it all. And so as we look at these people here, we realize that imagining ourselves in that position, imagine if just recently you lost your home, you lost your city, your family doesn't want anything to do with you, you've lost your reputation, you've lost uh, your livelihood, and even if you go somewhere else, you don't even know how you're going to survive financially. And he's letting them know, well, this is one thing that you need to know, that God is a righteous judge. And whoever might have come to you and caused you to lose everything that you had, you have to remember who you call your father. He's the one that's going to judge everything. If you feel as though you didn't get justice, if you feel as though you didn't get mercy, if you feel as though you were unfairly treated, there's one invincible truth that you have to know, that you can call God your Father. Here's the truth. Even if you were falsely accused... Even if you're walking in the office and you realize merely because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you might have been the next person who deserved the promotion, but you didn't get it because you are a Christian. And yet, at the end of the day, you know one thing. I call the judge of all the earth my father. Imagine having a great injustice happen to you, and when you walk into the courtroom, the judge is your dad. The Lord says to us, got to walk in that mindset. That there is coming a day when God is going to work everything out. 
There is nobody who can rise up against you or can harm you or can hurt you. There is no one who can take anything away from you in which you're all seeing Father who is going to judge every human being will not in the future rectify all things. He will make everything right. That's why when people might accuse you, that's why newspapers might say something, you don't have to get into defensive mode and feel like you need to fix everything. Why? Because you have a God and he's your father and he is going to make sure that in the end all truth will be revealed. He said if you address as father the one who impartially judges. Oh man, impartial judgment. How awesome is that? It's hard to find impartial judgment in the world today. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 16 written so long ago the King Solomon wrote these words. I've seen under the sun that in the place of justice there's wickedness. And in the place of righteousness there's wickedness. I said to myself God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For a time for every matter and for every deed is there. Let me read that in the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. I noticed that under the sun, there's evil in courtrooms. Yes, even in the courts of law, they are corrupt. I said to myself, in due season, God will judge everyone, both good and bad, for all their deeds. He saw the irony of looking at the houses of justice, the courts. What should they have been? Houses of justice. But he's saying, no, they've been corrupted with wickedness. Then he also says this, I look to the houses of righteousness. And that could be uh, interpreted as the house where laws are made on what's right and what's wrong. And I look there, and what did I see? I saw wickedness. So he says this, so then I had to tell myself, that God is the judge. Yes. And that he will discern the difference between what is good and what is bad. And every deed is going to be judged. Listen, I read this context, this verse in the context in 1 Peter, my whole life in a sense of uh, self, um, a willingness to overjudge myself. And I saw it only in the context of warning where it says, listen, every deed is going to be judged, therefore you have to live right before the Lord. There is that meaning. But if you put it in the context, he's helping people who had given up everything to follow Jesus Christ. And they needed to hear this. The judge is your dad. And if you did what he asked you to do, He's going to reward it. Romans chapter 2 verse 16 says, God will judge the secrets of mankind through Jesus Christ. So as I look at this, I understand. I might only be able to find partiality in this world. You're living in your office and you might feel as though decisions have been made concerning staffing that are so um, partial to certain individuals. And I couldn't find it. But your dad, I want you to know today, is impartial. 
And if because you are declaring Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you are overlooked, there's coming a day when God will not overlook you. It says, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on the earth. Knowing that our Father is the judge, the Lord says, okay then, live in a strong sense of reverence towards God. Knowing that each one of us will stand before him. In other words, I could spend my whole life and just say, oh, there's no justice here, there's no justice there, and that was unfair over here, and that was unfair over there. And the Lord says, no, your dad is a judge, therefore you walk in the reverence of God. You and I can get so wrapped up on what's going on in the world that we lose sight of the perspective of, Jesus said, get the log out of your own eye, right? Isn't that so important? And so my God is a judge, though, but it brings strength and courage and boldness to me. Jesus said the smallest thing that is done in secret will be rewarded openly. Whatever price you paid, no matter what accusation came against you, people might not even know. But you know what? It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Because it will all be revealed. Paul the Apostle Paul, said to a young pastor whose name was Timothy these words, I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season, and out of season. Here's, here's what the, the Holy Spirit has revealed through the scriptures. Sometimes Christianity is in season, and sometimes being a follower of Christ is out of season. And he says, you be faithful in season and out of season. Don't be worried about, you know, why me? Why now? Should I be here now? I should have been born in 1929. Would have been an easier time, maybe you could say in our culture, to be a follower of Christ. But the Lord says, hey, Christianity comes in season and out of season. And he says, no matter what season you find yourself in, you be faithful to the Lord. And during that, listen, tell what, here's what he says. <laughs> this is hard. He says, I want you to correct people. I want you to rebuke. And I want you to exhort in, in other words, he's saying to them, I, I want you to say, don't be deciding like, oh, it's not popular to say that right now, so I'm not going to say it. And if it's out of season to say it, but the Word of God says it, then you say it. Even if it runs contrary to the momentum of the world. He says, I, it's just amazing to me. He says, Timothy, uh, it's tempting when people are going through a hard time to stop rebuking and stop correcting. And then he says this, and then you exhort them. He said, you encourage them to do the right thing. We have to be encouraged today. And he reminds us in all of this, but we do it with patience and instruction. The wisdom that is from above, the Bible says, is peaceable and it's easily received. We have a responsibility, if it's a season of rebuking and exhorting and encouraging, at the same time, our method is to win the hearts and minds of people, not to alienate them. But there are times when truth alienates, and you can't help it. Amen. 
Because here's what he says next. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. There's coming a time when truth will not be popular. I believe that globally we're entering into such a time. And he's saying right here, the time will come where they won't tolerate it. Isn't that amazing? Don't we hear the word tolerance all the time right now? But if you notice that when it comes to biblical, spiritual truth, there's not much tolerance there, right? right? Mm -hmm. So he says, the Apostle Paul, writing to this young Pastor Timothy, they'll not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Now that's a reference to the church right there. He says there's coming a day when people are only going to seek a church that makes them feel as though you scratched their itching ears. You gave them what they wanted to hear. This again is the book of Ecclesiastes and, the, and, and, and Solomon writing this. I looked, for, um, I looked for righteousness in the house of righteousness and I found wickedness. There is coming a day actually, we need to be prepared for this, where every institution will be corrupted. And you won't know where to find it. And the problem is going to be that even churches are going to be tempted to enter into the corruption of the day in which they live. And they will stop speaking truth. Uh Because it's not in season. And that's what the Lord reminds us of. They will turn their ears away from truth and will turn aside the myths. They will believe anything. Isn't that what the Word of God had already reminded us? That men will reject God. And then when they reject God, they will believe anything, the Apostle Paul taught us. And then it says God will send them a strong delusion so that a foolishness will become a part of the world's belief system. We were warned a long time ago in our country That the problem with a nation that rejects God is not that they will start believing in nothing, but the problem is that nation will start to believe everything. Anything you say to them. But as for you, he says, you self-restraint in all things. In other words, he's saying, don't get out of control. Don't start to flail. The Apostle Paul says, I don't, when I run for the Lord, I don't flail. And that's, see, that's when we get fear-driven. We're not basing it on the Word of God. Don't, don't use some self-restraint. He says, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I love it right there, because what we've got to remember is it's always going to be about the gospel. And for every generation, the hope is that God is going to change the world one person at a time. That's how it will change. And so even in all of this, we stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we remember is who we address, that God is judge. Now the second thing that will make you invincible in your mindset is when you understand that you were redeemed with the blood of Jesus. I love, you know, I've never, I've always deliberately not guided the worship leader to line up his songs with the word because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak something. 
And I said to Jerry this morning, I said, did you read ahead in first Peter and know where we're at? We're going to be talking about the blood of Jesus that were redeemed with things that weren't corruptible. He said, no. And I was like, man, I mean, what kind of religion expresses in their worship songs to blood? <laughs> Singing about the blood. No wonder we're so strange to the world. <laughs> In a world that goes after gold and silver, we declare the beauty of the blood of Christ. We sang about how beautiful the Lord is. Do you remember how beautiful Jesus is in the heaven? He, it says, appeared as a lamb that was slaughtered. We sang to the slaughtered lamb. See, we belong to another kingdom. The root of all evil, the Bible has taught us, is the love of money. And the whole world is in love with money. If you want to find out the corruption of governments, follow the money. If you want to find the corruption of big pharma, follow the money. If you want to find the corruption of the media, follow the money. If you want to find the corruption in churches, follow the money. That's what you need to do. We're not here, man, for the love of money. And he's trying to remind these brand new believers who lost all their money. He's saying, he reminds them, but remember how precious the blood is. Would you be more impressed with a God who created more gold and silver that he can make merely by speaking his words and then paying someone off so that you could live with him forever? When he could just pull gold and silver out of nothing? Or are you more impressed with a God who just said, I'm going to become one of them. And I'm going to shed my blood as a payment so I can buy them, not with gold and silver, and corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Messiah. I mean, after we sang about the blood, then we come and we eat the bread and we drink the cup. And what are we doing? We're just saying, the blood is more precious to me than anything else. Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You weren't redeemed. You weren't bought and paid for with gold and silver, but with the precious blood. You go into a place, you saw something, a store, something that you wanted, and you walk into that place, and you go and you think, there it is, and you walk over, and it says, sold on it. In other words, no one can come in and take what you wanted because you paid for it, but you couldn't bring it home right now. But no one else is able to go in there and to buy that thing, even if they want to pay more because there's an agreement that has been made. That item is sold. God has done the same thing for you and me with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He couldn't take us home yet but he still paid the price. And he came into the covenant agreement 
And the blood of Jesus didn't pay off the devil. He's never owned you. Our debt was to God the Father. Jesus Christ paid the debt. And you were marked sold until Jesus could come and bring you home. How awesome is that? How precious is that? And Peter is saying to them, what you did when you said, I'm a follower of Christ and I refuse to renounce him and you lost everything for it, I want you to know that you loved the blood above everything else and that you were redeemed and bought and paid for. And like we sang today, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. I owe him everything. Houses, lands, mother, father, son, daughter, grandchildren, neighbors, no matter who would reject me because I'm a follower of Christ. Jesus paid it all. I was redeemed with the blood of Christ, the spotless and unblemished Lamb of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, again, Paul writing to the young pastor said, Godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. He's saying to them, if you've got God and you can be content with that, you have received earth's greatest reward. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The thing about gold and silver is you can never get enough of it. You can have boatloads of it, and yet people spend their whole lives. Why? It cannot significantly, eternally satisfy us. But when you discover true godliness through Jesus Christ, and you come to that place of contentment, and you say to yourself, here's what it says, we brought nothing into this world. And we can't take anything out of it. If we have food and covering, with these we're content. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And many foolish and harmful desires plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He's saying some people had to make a decision between finance, finances and following Christ with all their heart. And he said they made financial decisions. And when they made those financial decisions, they wandered from the faith and they pierced themselves with many griefs. He says in that verse right there, it says, we are not living a futile life that we inherited from our forefathers. See, he's saying to us, it's so easy for us to be wrapped into the identity that dad and mom gave us. Mom and dad might have provided for the education with hopes and dreams of what you were going to do for the rest of your life. God blessed them. God honored them. They did the right thing. Mom and dad and grandma and grandpa might have set up a business where they had, the building was bought and paid for and they had invested years of sweat and blood. And suddenly now you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you don't feel as though you're just being rejected um, by, by people you don't know so well, but you, you feel like you're, you're rejecting your forefathers. And all that they had done for you. But Peter says, but to live merely for that is futility. Remember, this is a man who laid down his father's nets and gave away his father's boat. And the livelihood that his dad had given to him 
He probably didn't just feel like he was making a personal decision. He probably felt like he was hurting his dad when he said, I'm willing to lay down the family business for the Lord. And yet in the middle of all of that, he said, do you want a futile life? This coming from a man who was crucified upside down because when they persecuted him, he refused to be crucified upright because he didn't want to die like Jesus did. He felt like he wasn't worthy of that. This is a man who just... who who was living in the obscurity of just doing what his dad wanted him to do. And then he said a simple thing. Jesus said, will you follow me? And he said, yes. And he gave up everything. And then he entered, and he stepped out of futility and entered into destiny because the Holy Spirit made him an apostle. That's the path and journey that Christ has for you. And it comes when we get to the point where we just say, I'm a follower of Christ, bought and paid for, and I'm not my own. We remember earlier in the chapter of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, he says, we're here to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. You can hold on to your earthly inheritance given to you by your fathers. He says you'll gain futility. But you can understand also that you have an inheritance through Jesus Christ that is in heaven. And he says in that place, it's protected by God. I'm telling you this. I'll give you some of the wisdom of the Apostles. Better is the man who gives up security in his, this life in order to invest in his eternal security protected by the Father. Better is the man who just doesn't live according to his Father's provision, but he lives according to his Heavenly Father's provision. Yes. Yes. That's what he's telling him. It says concerning Jesus, he was in this passage, he was known before the foundation of the world, but he's appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Can you listen as I read this? Everything is jumping off the page for me lately. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote to a suffering church. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting to read in verse 3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as only fitting because your faith is increasing abundantly and the love of each and every one of you towards one another grows ever greater. As a result, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you indeed are suffering. For after all, it is only right for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted. Along with us, when the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, 
dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These people will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified among his saints. That kind of preaching is rare anymore. The Lord says, here's what you need to understand. Everyone who has hated the Lord in his righteousness will be judged. It's a warning to all of us, man. Stay on the right side of this thing, this earth. Stay on the Lord's side. Stand up for truth. He is going to judge. He's talking retribution here. We don't speak about the righteous judge and his judgments. Why? You know why? Because it's not in season. I I want to be beholden to one, and that is to my father, who is the judge of all the earth. So the third invincible mindset you have to have is this. That you need to know and I need to know we have a family to love. As I look across this room, I know some of you can't go home for Thanksgiving. The last three years have created such divisions inside households. I, I, I know what's happened just even for some of you by affiliation with our church and our school. I know, I know what's happened. In this area, it's not fair if you're looking for fairness. Some of us as followers of Jesus Christ, mom and dad are on board with us 100%, our brothers and sisters and all our kids. Here's another reality, though. For some people, your parents have separated themselves from you. Your children have decided that if you're going to stand for that truth, they're not going to stand with you. And the Apostle Peter here is saying this, since you purified your soul... And you were purified, he says, for a sincere love of the brothers and sisters. I see the strategies of the enemy, like they're, they're just like crystal clear. Getting maybe a third of the church perfectly comfortable with doing church online. Sorry, but... <laughs> no, it's great to have that when you can't make it. But here's the whole thing. A lot of times it's more convenient to stay at home and be more connected to a mug of coffee than it is to come together and to love one another. You can tell me till the end of the day that God loves me, but you know what? Sometimes I need the love of God with skin on it. When you come to worship with me, you tell me that you love me. And when I come and worship with you, I tell you that I love you. That's what this is all about. The enemy and his strategy has peeled off a large segment of people, but the Lord didn't say, do not forsake listening to sermons online. He said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need each other. 
And how awesome is it? And some people can live in the convenience of really not leaving the, living, needing the body of Christ. Well, say thank you, God. But what about the people who do need you? You might not need it, but there are people that do need it. And you want to know something? When we come together, we don't always like each other. That's just the truth. We are commanded, though, to love one another. Jesus said, abide in my love. How do you abide in my love? How do you stay in the love of God? Here's how you do it, he said, by loving one another. Sometimes people will come to me over the years, and more often men than women, and say, I don't feel the emotional connection and love, love for God. Well, here's the whole thing. You want to grow in love for God? Learn how to love your brother. If you learn how to love your brother, you will increase in your love for God. That's how it works. Oh, I go to church and I got rubbed the wrong way. Well, you know what? Keep going there until you can't get rubbed the wrong way anymore, right? Amen. Don't come to me and talk to me about, oh, they'll never step foot in a church again. They got hurt. Oh, well, join the club. <laughs> I've never met a person who hasn't gotten hurt in church. Bottom line is this, though. How do you learn how to love? You learn how to love by getting hurt. By getting hurt where? In church. But it's also my obligation to live in community and not hurt other people. But if I'm hurt, to love and forgive. He said, be fervent in your love for one another. Fervency in love. Didn't Jesus say to me, to, to me, to us, I have come to cast fire upon the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. What does that phrase mean when Jesus said, I came to cast fire? That word fire is always used concerning the judgment where he's gonna burn away all the sin and judge and reveal the hearts of men. He says, that's why I came, to release fire on the earth. Wow. And he says, how I wish it were already kindled. He's saying, I wish I could have started that fire right now. But then he says this, but I have a baptism to undergo. Wait a minute, he had already been baptized in water. He's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. I came to release fire of judgment upon the earth, but I have to go through a baptism. And I'm distressed, I am. How distressed I am until it is accomplished. See, the blood, do you, do you hear the agonies of the blood of the Savior? He says, I, Jesus lived distressed because he knew how he was going to die. But then he says this. Do you think I came to provide peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Households will be divided. But what did Peter say? You were saved for this, to fervently Love one another. How amazing is that? We have to understand to be a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that everything's going to be peaceful. As a matter of fact, I think there are a lot of problems in the world today and in America are that churches thinking that their only job is to keep the peace when they had a Savior who said, I didn't come to bring peace. 
That's just the reality. Now, the Bible also says, if at all possible, be at peace with all men. So you want to, as much as possible, to present truth and keep the peace. But there is coming a day when people will not endure it, he said. And in the understanding of that, we know that sometimes, make every, always make every attempt to live in peace. But know that sometimes, even families will reject you. So the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. Be diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Finally, I just want to share this. The last invincible mindset you have to have. Have this perspective, and that is that the Word of God endures. In verse 23, it says, You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. Imperishable. That is to the living and enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Again, leaping off the page, putting it in its context, he's just saying this. When it comes to the words of men, Think about how frail and fragile men are. They come onto the world stage, they grow up like a blade of grass, a flower blooms, it falls off, and then the whole thing dies. And Peter is just saying this. In a generation, and it's in every generation, but in your generation, you have the glory of man or you have the glory of the word of God. And what's more important to you? Is it what men say about you? Or is it what the Word of God says about you? What's most important? When you think about that, you know, especially, he, he couldn't see social media at that time. What is social media all about? People in their prime trying to impress everybody else and telling everybody else what their values ought to be. And they're like, oh, so-and-so said, we should live this way. We should accept this. But you know what? The Word of God is saying this. You're following the flowering of a blade of grass that's going to fall off. But if you live according to the Word of God and its values and its truth, it's never going to fail. To allow the glory of a man to impress you when it... His time on the stage of this world is 80 years, like if he's fortunate, when the Word of God has proven itself generation after generation after generation. Fortunately, I've lived long enough to watch the flowers of Hollywood bloom, and I'm already watching them fade. And you want to know something? They're watching me fade too. At the end of the day, though, Lord, the Peter's just saying, when the voices of men are louder than the eternal truths of God and of the Bible, live according to the word of the Lord, because the word of the Lord will endure, but the glory of man will fade. Does that make sense to you? So I'm closing with this. Four invincible perspectives. Know this first off. Your Father God impartially judges. You've been redeemed, bought, and paid for with the blood of Christ. 
You have a family to love and is there to love you. And that the Word of God is going to endure. So align with the Word of God. Let's all stand up. God bless you all. Father, I pray over every person here today, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, redeemed, saved, delivered, filled with the faith that was like a seed of the Word of God planted in their hearts. I thank you that they call God their Father. And I pray, Lord, that they would live in the fear and the reverence of the Lord, knowing, God, that you, someday we will, each one of us, stand before the throne of Christ and will give an account. So, Father, I thank you for these people. Thank you for those who have gone before us and live faithfully for you, Lord. Let us live in their example. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never met Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you could sit in this church from now to the end of your life and you will not be saved. You can listen to sermons one after the other online and the sermons won't change you. You know what will change you? The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you and for me. We come to him as sinners and we need a Savior. The Lord will judge all men. That is a truth. We will all stand before the Lord and give an account. The Lord's calling you today, if you never met Jesus, to come and be saved, to give your heart to him. I implore you, before the Father and Jesus, get right with God today. Get right with him. If you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to do two things. It's not a formula. just want to help you get there. I want to lead you there. If you'd like to give your heart to the Lord in a prayer, the church will all pray together, but you want to lift up your hand right now and just saying, I want to be included in the closing prayer. I lift my hand before the Lord. I need Jesus as my Savior, and I want to be saved. And then if you raise your hand, I am going to call you to come forward. You don't need to say anything or do anything, but the Lord is not looking for people who will follow him embarrassed. He said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Do you need Jesus today? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? If you need him, would you lift up your hand today just saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be included in this prayer. I want to know that I'm right with God. Anyone here today? If you have that tug of the Holy Spirit upon your heart, respond to him. It might not always be there. If he's drawing you, respond. Anyone here today? God, you are so good. You are so faithful. I pray your blessing, your presence, your light, your joy, and your peace go with each person that's here today. I'm saying to you today, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website or your favorite podcast platform. Just look for Sermon of the Week Cornerstone Christian Center. If you would like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.